turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. We'll be looking at 1 Timothy chapter number 4 today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus says, I will build my church. Amen. Jesus is the one who, who uh, will. He's the founder and the builder and the sustainer of his church. This church doesn't belong to any organization or person or group. It belongs to Jesus. Amen. Now, we, we, can call, we call this our church in the sense that it's the place where we come together. But we don't own this church. How many of you know that? I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the church. We are not the owners of it. Jesus, God, is the owner. We are coming into his presence. Into the, and when we come together, God calls this church. Amen? The gathering together of believers. Whether it's in this building or anywhere else. When we come together in the name of Jesus, we are the church. Amen? And Jesus is the head of the church. Amen? Uh, there's no group or organization that can declare itself to be the head uh, of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. You only have one head on your shoulders, I hope, right? <laughs> All right? There's got to be one head. If you, if you have two heads on your shoulder, that's not a good thing, is it? So one head, if you had two heads, you'd be arguing with each other. One head would be arguing with the other, and, and you probably wouldn't talk to each other for who knows how long, right? But one head is what God put on our shoulders, and one head that God has set over the church, and that head is Jesus. Now, God's Word, I just want to read you from, from I just want to quote from some scriptures before we go to 1 Timothy. You know, back in, in, all through the Old Testament, I just picked out one verse. There's so many verses. But Psalm 78, verse 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. God is always directed, all through the Old Testament, I picked out one verse, but all through the Old Testament, God is calling us to incline our ear. You know, there used to be an old commercial, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. Oh, woohoo! But when God speaks... Oh, that every man would listen. Amen. And so God is asking us, calling his people to incline our ears to him, to what comes out of his mouth, to the words uh, of, of my mouth, the word says. So God always wants us to listen to, take heed to, believe and receive the words of his mouth. Amen. And what gets people into trouble what gets people into, into terrible places is when they do, when we do not take heed to the word of God and believe it and receive it in our heart and we choose to believe other words, you know, then we, then we go in other ways. But when we incline our ear to the words of, that come out of God's mouth and do them and obey them and receive them and say, yes, Lord, we're in a good place. How many of you know you're in a good place? So God, throughout the Old Testament, has always been calling his people lovingly, incline your ear, listen to the words that come out of my mouth, right? Because how many of you know, there's a lot of mouths out in this world, and a lot of mouths are spewing out a lot of things, and uh, it doesn't matter, degrees, no degrees, people have mouths. God created us with mouths, and people have the choice 
to say whatever they like. But the one mouth that God, that we should be listening to are the words that come out of the mouth of God. Amen. And so in Matthew chapter 17, uh, it says uh, that while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, speaking about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Hear ye him, the Bible says. You see, God in the Old Testament says, listen to the words that come out of my mouth. When Jesus was born, when Jesus became God incarnate, born of a virgin Mary, took on flesh and began to walk around the face of this earth, he began to speak. And God declared from heaven, listen to him, hear him, right? So we are to listen to the words of Christ, what Jesus spoke, has been teaching us. And remember in, in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 11, 28, they said, oh, Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you. And Jesus says, rather, he says, rather blessed are they which hear the word of God and keep it. God wants us not only to be, hear the word, but to receive the word in faith, to receive the word in faith and believe the word and say, yes, Lord, amen. I believe your word, amen. So Jesus says, God says, hear him. And Jesus says, blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it, right? And then also it says, uh, Jesus says in John chapter 14, he says, he that loveth me, uh, he that loveth me not does not keep my sayings or keep my word. Uh, elsewhere he says, those that love me hear my words and keep them and do them. And so Jesus continues to say in that verse, he says, the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's word which sent me. That's why throughout the Old Testament, God says, hear the words of my mouth. And when he sent Jesus, his only begotten son, he said, now listen to Jesus. Jesus is my word. He is the word. Listen to him. Well, now Jesus was, was, was crucified, buried, rose again on the third day and ascended. But Jesus says, when I ascend, I will send to you one who is going to be your comforter and is going to be your teacher. He is the Holy Spirit who will come to be with you forever throughout the days of this age. Until we get home to glory with Jesus, we have with us and in us the Holy Spirit of God. Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says in John 16, 13, he says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is our helper, helping us to guide us in what? In truth, the truth of God's word. The truth are the words that come out of God's mouth. So the Holy Spirit has been given to you and me to help guide us, to keep us, what does it mean to guide? To keep you on the right pathway, to keep you in the right place that, that this is right, this is true. I'll guide you in the truth. He does not guide us. He does not lead us into error or, or takes us off the pathways of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is there to keep us on the straight and narrow, to keep us being workmen, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it says, for he, meaning the Holy Spirit, he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. 
which tells us very clearly, Jesus makes, you know, there's no question here, does the Holy Spirit and can the Holy Spirit speak to you and I? And the question is, yes, absolutely. How do you know that? Jesus made it very clear that the Holy Spirit will not speak about himself, but it says he will, who, who, but whatever he shall hear from Father God, that shall he speak unto you. The Bible in many places throughout the Gospels and throughout the book of Revelation, the Bible says, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, meaning the Holy Spirit says to the churches. So God makes very clear. He wants us to hear the words that come out of his mouth, the words that, that uh, come out of the, the teachings of Jesus, because Jesus is the word. And he speaks the word. Jesus said, I don't speak my own words. I speak the words of Father God. And Jesus said, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And he will speak to you. He will guide you in all truth. And he will be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to be a comfort to you, a strength to you. And he's going to guide you. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're there to help to guide us and to keep us in all the ways of the truth. Amen. And so Jesus made it very clear that the Holy Spirit will speak to you, to us as individuals, and he speaks to us as a church, as the body of believers of the church, right? What does it say throughout the book of Revelation? To speaking, talking to the churches, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen? And so whenever we open the word of God, we believe that the Holy Spirit will guide us in the truth. That's why we pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and, and illuminate the truth to me. Speak to me, guide me, keep me in the ways of the Lord. Because this is Father God's word that has been revealed throughout the Old Testament to the prophets of God. And when he sent Jesus, his only begotten son, he says, listen to him, listen to him. And then Jesus says, listen, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you and he's going to teach you, keep you, and he will guide you, and he will also tell you about things to come. Now let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, saying that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil, of devils. Timothy was a young pastor. He was a man uh, who was a young pastor. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. Timothy, there are certain things the church needs to be taught and needs to hear. How many of you believe that we need to hear, as a church, we need to hear all the counsel of God, all the word of God? We, it, it, you know, it would be nice if we could just pick and choose some portions and some scriptures and things and, and have a good time with those scriptures, right? But if we don't look at the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God, then we can wind up uh, shortchanging ourselves, going into error, going into keeping ourselves locked into a little frame of mindset, and we, we lose out, we lose the, the picture of what God is really wanting us to say, the real meaning for our life. And so it says, the Spirit speaketh expressly. This meaning, unquestionably, there's no doubt about the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, all right, who has been sent. 
And it says that in the latter times, we are living in the latter times. You know, the Lord can come at any time. The Bible says in the end times, in the latter days, wickedness is going to wax worse and worse. It does not tell us the world is going to get better and better. You can't find that in Scripture. And yet there's people who teach the world is going to get better, everything is going to get better, everything is going to get better. No, well, when I read the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it says in the end times, it's, things are going to wax worse. And the Bible of Revelation says the cup is going to be full and running, of iniquity is going to be full and running over. So the Bible doesn't tell us things are going to get better. It says things are going to get worse, but it always encourages us, it always gives us hope that you will be strengthened and you will be able to stand, you know, as you walk with Jesus. We don't have to fear the, 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 the overflow of iniquity. We just need to overflow with the godliness and the holiness of the Lord in our lives. And so it says, there, it says some shall depart. That means some will. There's no if, and, or but. Some shall depart from the faith. What does depart mean? It means to, to willingly remove yourself from something, to desert. You know, when a soldier goes AWOL, it's no accident. A soldier doesn't AWOL, absent without leave. It means he, he's, he's supposed to be with his, with, his, uh, with his unit, whatever that might be. And when roll call comes, if he's not there, he's absent without leave. All right, he's not, he's not in sick bay. He's not anywhere else. Where is he? He departed. He, he took off. He willingly went somewhere. He, he went away from where he was. He decided that he was going to desist. He was no longer going to be part of it. He was going to revolt to be gone. So departure is something that willingly an individual chooses to do. We all have a choice to walk with the Lord or not walk with the Lord. We have a choice every day to believe the Lord or not to believe the Lord. Amen? God wants us to walk with him so that isn't there joy in walking with the Lord? There's nothing better than walking in the presence of God and walking with God. God sees us through. He guides us. Now the Holy Spirit comes to guide. But when we decide, I'm, I just want to do my thing, go my way, and we make a choice to willingly depart from the ways of the Lord and go our way, the Bible says everyone see, did, you know, did right, see what seemed right in their own eyes. That still happens today. That still happens today, and that is a choice. That's not something that someone forces on you. We decide, we make someday, somehow, we come to a, a reason because we're bombarded with all kinds of stuff, and, and it gets into our heart. We are bombarded with things, and, and here it says, some will make a choice to, to f remove themselves and depart from something. That word departure means to apostatize. That's where you get the word apost apostasy from. It means they apostatize from what? They remove themselves from what? They go AWOL from what? They detach themselves from what? And it says they shall depart from the faith. What is the faith? What, is the, what does the word mean? When you look it up in the Greek, it's, it's pistis, which means that faith means, faith is believing, is belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faith is believing the truthfulness of God. Faith is believing the words that come out of the mouth of God. 
Faith is believing the words that come out of the mouth of Jesus. When Jesus came on the scene in Mark, he says, repent, for the time is at hand. Believe the gospel. Isn't that what Jesus said? Believe the gospel. How many times does Jesus say believe? That means have faith. Put trust in the words that come out of the mouth of God. Put trust in the words that Jesus has spoken. Put trust in the words that the Holy Spirit is leading you to that, that conform with the word of God. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit does teach nothing but that. When we believe God and his word, when we believe that Jesus is our Savior and Lord, that means we have faith. We believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We believe what God has done in and through Jesus and what he is doing in us. And so it says, some will willingly depart from the faith. What does that mean? It means they will depart from fully believing the words of God's mouth. The Bible says some will depart from the faith. It's not talking about unbelievers, those who do not believe. It says they will depart from the faith, meaning they were in the faith. They had faith. They were believers. They did believe. But there comes a time when they are not just backsliders. I'm not talking about a backslider. These are people, the word here does not mean backslidden. The word here means departure, a detachment from the words of God. That I no longer believe all the words of God. I might believe a few of them, but I don't believe them all. I don't take them all literally. And so therefore, I, I, I'm going to believe this. And believing this is an absolute departure from believing that. And so... The Bible of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit saying, Timothy, some people will depart from the faith. You know, there's teachings going around that once you're born again, that's it. Once saved, always saved. The Bible doesn't really teach that. If we, if we are saved and believe God, yeah, we have an assurance that if we are uh, believing God, trusting in him, not doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means that we want to walk with God. We want to believe God's word, Right? We have that assurance that, there, that our names are written in the Lamb's book. But once we get to the point in, 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 in our faith, if we are, are persuaded somehow to say that I really don't think that these real words are really from God, that maybe your man just uttered them, I don't need to believe them. All I need to believe is that God loves me. And we discard all the other words of God. We are departing. Listen, we are departing from the faith. Faith is believing the word of God, the trustworthiness of God's word. Faith is departing from, thus saith the Lord. What did the devil say to Adam and Eve? Hath God said, and what did, now, did Adam and Eve not believe in God? They believed in God. Did, did Adam and Eve not believe in the Garden of Eden and see all the blessings? They believed in all that. But what made them depart from the faith of, of trusting and believing God's word? The devil said, hath God said. He got them to disagree with the word of God and say, you don't really have to believe that. You can believe everything else God said, but you don't have to believe that, right? Did they disbelieve God in many areas? They disbelieved God in one area. And, and God, what happened as a result of their departure from believing God? They believed the lie of the devil and they departed 
from the presence of, they, de they departed from believing the word of God, and did it do them blessing or harm? It did them harm, right? And so there's a danger, and the Bible says that there are some that shall depart from the faith. Listen, when we depart, if anyone departs from the faith, if, in other words, if faith is lost, nothing else really matters. Then you can preach or believe whatever you want. Because once you do away with your faith and belief in God's word, all of God's word, then it really doesn't matter anymore. You can preach and teach anything you want. Because then what is truth? What matters anymore? If God's word is not truth to you, what is truth? Then anything becomes truth. Everything becomes truth. Then truth becomes whatever you desire to believe in your heart. When we look at the world back then and when we look at the world today, we see a world that wants to believe whatever is good for them, whatever works for you, fine. Whatever works for me, fine. That is a world, a mindset that if, and the world is trying to push the word of God away, saying, if we can get rid of God's word, then the world would be wonderful. Then everyone could do whatever you like, and what a wonderful world it would be. That's the lie of the devil. And so we need to, to remain in the truth, keep steadfast in our faith, because some will depart. And how is it that they will depart? What is it that, that will make them depart? It says, giving heed. You see, it begins by a willful choice. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons or seducing spirits. There's the danger of deception, the danger, the Holy Spirit says, there, there are, they will depart from the faith. Why? Because they chose to give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Oh, how could a believer ever do that? How could a believer believe doctrines of demons? How do the people just, they, they poo-poo this verse, and they say, oh, that, that's, no, once you're a believer, you, you, that's it. You're, you're, this is the Holy Spirit saying, Timothy, some people are going to depart from the faith because they're giving heed. It means they're inclining their ear, they're listening, but doing more than listening. It's an act of listening, and what happens is they're saying yes and amen to what they're hearing of deceiving spirits and doctrines of devil. That's why we need to be Bereans. And whenever we hear something, we need to go to the Word of God and research it and see if, thus, if that's what the Word of God really says. Amen? Because if we don't use this as our standard and our guide, we are gullible for anything and everything that is, pre that is preached from the pulpit as gospel. And not everything that is preached from the pulpits is gospel. There's not everything that is preached in Sunday schools that is gospel. Not in this church. This church, we stay with the Word. But what I'm saying, unless we look to the Word of God, we have no standard of saying, this is true and right, and this is not. And something that sounds good, oh, it's got to be right because it sounds good. The, the devil says, they're seducing spirits. Seducing is, is done through enticing words, words that sound good, make you feel good, and just words that, that just kind of like want to pull you in and say, 
Oh, this, if you just believe this, you'll be fine. You'll be wonderful. If you just buy this, oh, you're going to be so blessed. If you just, and then you get the product and you find out it doesn't work as advertised. When seducing spirits are, are there to draw you in, that's what advertising does. Advertising is there to seduce you to get their product. And it doesn't mean their product is wonderful or good or works as advertised. Once you get the product, it's yours. You bought it. Tough luck if it doesn't work. And so seducing spirits are spirits that make things look good. Say, oh yeah, I want that. Give me some of that. And once we agree with that, and you see, when we're teaching on Wednesday night, once you agree with something, something happens in here. If you agree with something that is false, if you agree with a demon, if you agree with a lie, something happens inside. Something starts to change in here. And it says, they gave heed to seducing spirits. Who are they? They're imposters, meaning they're not giving the truth. They're sugarcoating or covering up or twisting things to make it look good and sound good. But they're imposters. The only one that gives us truth is God, his word. Give heed to the words of my mouth. And the word seducing spirits, when you look that up in the Greek, it means that it can be men, spirits of men, or demons, spirits that are demons. So man can be one who seduces. It's not just demons, but it's men who are influenced, who already have, have been deceived. Now can they begin to, to, to just further that, that lie, further that deception, and there's the work of demons who get in to, to the lives of people and they began to seduce, who seek to deceive men. You see, because angels rebelled against God, didn't they? A third of the angels, they decided to go with Satan. They decided to rebel against God. Enough of you, God. We, we want to do, we're going to do things our way. Forget about you. The Bible says a third of the angels departed and, and rebelled against God. And they're at war. The Bible says they're at war with the kingdom of God. What does it mean? They're trying to get people to come against the word of God. They're trying to get people to say, hath God said, come on, stop believing that stuff and believe this. This is what is really true. And this is what will really bless you. And this is what will really make you feel good. This is what will really make your life better. These are lies of the devil. People don't get lies that say, well, if you believe this, you'll suffer. If you believe this, you'll have turmoil in your life. Who would want to believe that? But the lies come in deceptive ways in saying that if you believe this, your life will be better. Forget about God's word. Just do it our way. Just do it this way and things will get better in your life. You'll feel better. You'll look better. You'll blah, 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 blah. You'll blah, 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 blah. But the only thing that really blesses our life is taking heed to the word of God. And so there's the, the Holy Spirit says, Timothy, there's going to be seducing spirits and deceiving spirits in the church. In the church. Not on street corners. How many of you have walked on street corners and heard people uh, preaching uh, seduction and deceiving spirits? It doesn't take outside. The Bible says that in the end times, there are going to be wolves coming in sheep's clothing. A wolf does not love the Lord. A wolf is not out to, 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 to bless the sheep. A wolf wants to devour the sheep. All right? How would you like to sit down if you're a sheep, have sit down and say, okay, wolf, come on and talk to us. 
No, the wolf is out to devour, isn't he? And so the Bible says, Timothy, you're a young pastor. But be, understand this, that in the end times, there's going to be seducing and deceiving spirits coming in, looking to devour. You know, we, we, we live in a generation where, where there's a spirit in our churches of accommodation. What does that mean? It means let's accommodate everybody. Everyone who comes in, let's just accommodate them and, and, and just tell them that God loves you and everything is fine and don't offend anyone by preaching the gospel. That goes on and, you know, I'm not, this is, this is truth. What is being preached here is not against anyone or anything. It's the truth that the Holy Spirit tells us that in the churches, there's going to be an accommodation spirit, which is in the churches today, that says, don't offend anyone. Don't preach what is going to be offensive because you will lose people. Hello? Don't offend anyone. Watch what you say from the pulpit. Board of directors and, and church boards tell pastors, don't you dare preach anything that is going to be offensive to anybody. Because if you preach something that is offensive, we're going to put you out and get another pastor that will preach what we want. That goes on all the time. So men become pastors behind the pulpit who are there to do, to please the people. And God gets offended. God gets offended. When his truth is not being proclaimed in truth, God is offended. God gave Jesus, his only begotten son. Jesus was crucified. Think of what Jesus went through for you. He was crucified, died, buried, and risen on the third day that truth can be proclaimed. And the enemy, when he tries to say, don't preach the truth of the gospel, it makes light of the crucifixion, it makes light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you might as well discard those things because they don't matter anymore. What matters is, they do matter, understand what I'm saying. But to the people who want to discard the truth and say, just preach what the people want to make them happy and comfortable, then forget about sin, forget about life change, forget about transformation, forget about growing in godliness and holiness, and just preach a feel-good, prosperous thing, and everything will be all right. And God is weeping in heaven. And people are being led to the slaughter. People are being led into seductive and deceptive teachings and doctrines, and they don't even know it. And little by little, by giving heed, listen, by giving heed and saying yes and amen to what you hear every Sunday, every Wednesday, by saying yes and amen to that, you're opening a door in your spirit, man, that begins a transformation and a change that says you are being deluded and being deceived into error, into doctrine that is not doctrines of God. And the Holy Spirit makes him aware of that. The Bible says in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The whole Bible calls us to say, listen, people, my people, give heed to the word of God. Never mind what a man is saying. Listen, measure it with the word of God. 
And if it measures with what is my coming from my mouth, then amen. Yes and amen. But we need to give measure to that. The Bible says that people who are actively resisting the truth are, op are openly receiving lies and deception. If you resist the truth, if you resist the truth, you are open to deception and lies. Just by resisting it. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Oh, don't, don't, don't tell me that, that someone who's doing that is, is going to go to hell. I don't want to hear that. Resisting the truth opens you up to lies and deceptions. There's preachers out there, well, I don't want to use that word, men who call themselves preachers, who are preaching today, there is no hell. That everyone is going to heaven. Because God is so good and so loving and that Jesus paid the price for everyone. So it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to heaven. There are men who call themselves preachers today, who have written books, who, are on, who are, have programs, or are on YouTube, who are preaching this, that there is no hell. And people are saying, yes, amen. Oh, that sounds great. Isn't that wonderful? Nobody's going to hell. Woohoo! Hey, we're all going to heaven. How about that? Yeah, let's sing and praise. Now, that's an extreme. But there's all places in between that lead to that, where when you listen, you give heed, you keep listening, you put yourself in places where you listen to things and you don't take the time to list, to read the word of God, to meditate on it, to see what thus saith the Lord, so that when you say, this saith the Lord, I remember going to church early when I first was looking for a church. I would go and I would listen to the pastor preach and I would, I, read, I would take notes and I would go home and I would look in the Bible to say, is this right, what he said? It sounded good, but let me see if it says right. I didn't matter to me whether it sounded right. It doesn't matter with me how fluent or how good or how well or how funny or how whatever the pastor was. This is what saved my life. Jesus is my Savior and my Redeemer and my Lord. If Jesus didn't die on Calvary's cross for me, I would be dead. I would have perished a long time ago. But Jesus redeemed me. I want to know more about Jesus and his word. I want to know more about Father God. And so I took the word of God and I started to measure whatever the man said. He was a nice man. I liked him. But, and he was a very good preacher. But I, wanted, I didn't want to follow a man. I didn't want to just listen, take his words for granted just because I liked him. I wanted to know, is this truth? And how do I know that? By opening the word of God and then looking to say, yes. And then it was year, it was almost a year. And I says, pastor, I says, I've been listening to everything you said and I've been checking it out in the word and I see that everything you've been preaching measures is in line with God's word. This is where I want to be. I want to take root here. And he told me, well, you wait another six months. You can't join my church until you've been here for one year and you say, can say amen to what I've been teaching here. And I did. I stood for another six months. It was one year. And after one year, I kept checking the word of God. Everything that was preached, I kept looking at the word. And I could say, yes, this is where I want to be. Because the word of God is being preached in spirit and in truth. This is where I want to take root. This is where I want to be nurtured. I've been, I, went, I, was, I went to a lot of different churches in, the, in my early years, and I couldn't agree with what was being said because it didn't measure up with God's word. I said, this is not the place for me. 
I need to go somewhere else. But if I stood in those places and began to say yes and amen to what was being preached, knowing it wasn't in line with this, I would have gotten deceived, uh, possibly gotten deceived and wound up in error and deception. But I wanted to be in a place where God's word is being proclaimed and I, that's, where I, I, that's where I stood. And so resisting the truth opens you up to, to lies and deception. That's why the Bible declares in other places, it says even in 2 Timothy, now Jan, Janus and Jamres withstood Moses and, and so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds and reprobate. And the other places it says in Romans that those who resist the truth they shall receive unto themselves damnation. This is what the word of God says, that if we resist, meaning actively resist. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear what's being preached. No, I want to hear, I want to believe what this that sounds better. There's something that is, that is preached that is true that may not sound as good as this, which is the lie. The lie always sounds better than the truth. The, the lie always sugarcoats and makes it sweet to the, to, the, to the taste. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you say yes and amen to the word of God, when it gets inside of you, you say, yes, this is good. When you take of the lie, it may taste good, but once it gets inside, it's going to be bitter. It's going to be poison. It's going to bring you agita heartache and all kinds of stuff and so the bible the holy spirit says says you know timothy in the latter days these are gonna these are gonna depart and so that is why we need to listen to the word of god meditate on god's word his words are wonderful isn't jesus wonderful isn't his word wonderful hallelujah that's why i love jesus that's why i love the bible I can't get enough of God's word. It's so good. It's so good. And once you really love the word of God, you're not going to be deceived. You're not going to want it. You'll be able to know the lie. You'll be able to know what is false. But it's those who don't take the time, who don't put themselves in a place to really want to know Jesus, to know God. When you want to know somebody, you read their love letters. You read, you put yourself in their presence. Amen. And God, see, God knows your heart. When you really want God, when you're really seeking God, God will see you through and keep you from certain things. He will. You can be in a place where, where lies are being taught, but if your heart is really there to really want to know God, God has a way of knowing that you really want the truth. You're not in a place where, you, where you're getting the truth, but you really want it. God works it out that he gets us into a place where eventually we can, are in a place where we can get the truth and the truth can make us free. Amen? And so it's, it's that when we willingly say yes to the lie and receive it and rejoice in that, and when we hear the truth, we resist it and say, oh no, I don't want to hear that. This is what I believe. This is what we believe. And it says the nature of their departure. You see, when people begin to depart from the faith, it says here their nature is that they are speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Hypocrisy. 
speaking lies in hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Well, when you think of hypocrisy, all you need to do is look at the Gospels. And Jesus, especially in like Matthew chapter 23, seven times, seven times in one chapter, chapter 23 of Matthew, seven times Jesus said this phrase, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites. Seven times. And he gives reasons why they're hypocrites, because they keep people from entering the kingdom, they, do, they put burdens, they do all... Seven times in one chapter, Jesus says, woe unto you. He didn't say, I love you guys. You know, you're doing the wrong thing, but I love you. He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Because they're saying one thing, but in their heart, they're not believing the word of God. The scribes and Pharisees didn't receive Jesus didn't accept Jesus as Messiah and Lord. They were religious. They were, the Bible, Jesus says that you're whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you appear, you appear holy and righteous, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Ye hypocrites. So it's not the outward. It's not what is being taught. Is that is what being taught right the words of God. They were adding things to the word of God. The scribes and Pharisees were making man-made laws and rules, and they were putting burdens on the people, and their heart was not there. They were teaching things that God never taught. Why? And so Jesus is saying that you were, he called them, woe unto you. Woe is not a good word. Woe is not, does not mean blessing and prosperity. Woe, I, you know, woe is you are in deep trouble. You are in a place of serious danger. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites, he called them. Because you're teaching the people error. You're teaching them wrong. You're teaching them things that never came out of the mouth of God. You're teaching them things that are never in the scriptures. A lot of what they said was scripture, but they added to the scriptures. They taught things as scripture that were not scripture. And that's being done today. People are being taught things. There's a mixture of scripture and things that are non-scripture. And so they, they teach things that are not scripture as scripture. They teach things as doctrine that is not biblical doctrine. Di doctrine found from the scripture. Doctrine found from the mouth of God. And man, there's scribes and Pharisees in the Christian realm today that make doctrines out of things that are not contained in here. You can't find it taught in God's word. You can't find it from the mouth of Jesus. And you can't find it in, in the Holy Spirit giving utterance to doctrines that are hypocritical and doctrines that are false, doctrines that are taught. So Jesus called the scribes and Pharisees seven times in one chapter. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites. You're teaching people the wrong thing. Things that I never taught. Things that God, Father, never taught. And so Jesus blasted them. He didn't go to say, them and say, oh, I know, guys, you really love me, but, you know, you just made a mistake. No. Teaching hypocrisy, teaching lies, teaching deception is not, does not go over with God. You, can, you can't con God and say, oh, well, God, you know, we made a mistake. We just thought it was right. No, 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 no. 
they were teaching things that were hypocritical in meaning God never spoke that. God never gave that. God never meant for you to obey the rules and regulations of man. God created us to hear his word and say, yes, Lord, I believe your word. Amen. And so they had their conscience seared. You ever get a, you know, they say if you get a good steak, you know, and you sear it on both sides. I got like a George Foreman grill, and that sears it on both sides, top and bottom. And what it does, it makes the, it sears the outside of top and bottom so that the juices that are inside stay, it stays nice and, and juicy. So when you sear something, you, you kind of like brand it on the outside, and then the, so that what is inside stays there. You, it, they call it locking in the juices. So you sear something, so you lock in the juices of that steak. So when it becomes nice and juicy. But when people hear lies repeatedly and receive them and agree with them, when you agree with lies, when you agree with deception, it says their conscience becomes seared. The devil then becomes, he sears that because now it's locked in to your mind. It's locked into your spirit. It's locked into your thinking and now you're branded by the devil as his. They believe the lie. They believe the deception. And the Bible says their conscience is seared. No longer does their conscience think about the things of God. No longer can their conscience be touched. But now their conscience is seared. They don't want to know anything else. They don't want to believe anything else. They just want to believe this and that is it. You ever talk to someone who says, oh, I, I don't care what you say, where, I, I, this is what I believe and this is what I believe. Their conscience is seared. And so the Bible says if people who continually subject themselves to false things, to hypocrisy, to lies and deception, eventually there comes a time when they become branded by the devil as belonging to him. He's got them. He's He's got that lie seared, locked into their spirit. That is what the devil and the enemy wants to do. He wants to get the lie locked in, fixed in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, so that you, this is what you believe, and later for God's word, for God's truth. But thank God for those of us who love the word of God. That's why we need to be nourished and feed on the word of God. So that we know that we are locked in, we're seared. The Bible says that we have been given the spirit as a seal, as a seal. The spirit of God seals us. When we say, yes, Lord, I believe your word. I'm still learning, I'm still growing, but I believe your word over anything else. I believe your word more than the TV preacher. I believe your word more than this preacher or that. I believe your word, Lord. Your word is my measuring stick. Your word is my joy. Your word is hidden in my heart. Then you're sealed by the Holy Spirit in a sense that the devil, the lies will not prosper against you. But when we open the doors to believe things that make us feel good, look good, or, or whatever, then we are in danger of putting ourselves after time as becoming seared, branded, that we no longer want the truth, believe the truth, or care about it. We just believe this is the truth. This is my truth. This is my truth. 
This is what my group believes. Why are there so many divisions? My group, this is what we believe. This is what we believe. And the two shall never come together. They're locked in to what they've been taught by man, by an organization. This is what we believe. This is what our organization believes. Well, your organization may believe that, but what does God's word say? What does God's word teach? The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? From lies, free from deception, free from bondage, free from a lot of different things. But God's word, when you know the truth, meaning you know it, you desire it, you got it in you, it keeps you from being deceived. It keeps you from, no, from entering into a place where you say amen to the lie. That's why when you listen to, to people in church, a lot of times it's, it's, you, people say amen. I say amen a lot. But I say amen to preachers that I know are preaching the truth. If I'm in a congregation and I don't know the pastor, if I don't know the individual, I'm not so quick to say amen. If I know the preacher, and if I know that he's preaching the word of God, a man that I've known for years, I'm, I would say amen because I know he's, he's preaching the word of God. But when I go somewhere and I don't know who this individual is, I don't care what their, what their name is or their popularity status is, whether they're a five-star, four-star, it doesn't matter. When I hear someone, I'm slow to say amen because I want to know all that they're teaching. I don't want to put my seal on something. In one area, they're good, but then all of a sudden, over here, you find out they're way off the mark. And so I validated this person by saying amen here, but I'm actually amening the truth. And so that's why when we say amen, we're agreeing. So be it. Yeah, I agree with that. And so when we know a man or a woman is preaching the word of God, yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. Agree with the truth. You want to agree with the truth, don't you? But be careful about amening something from someone you don't know. That's why when you have people saying, oh, a prophet, this guy's a prophet and he's coming to town. This one, I, you know, I don't care what label or title they put on themselves. If I don't know them, I want to hear, I got to hear, I got to hear what's being taught before I would say amen. Be careful because people in the church have, are sent and are, and are persuaded by doctrines of demons speaking lies and hypocrisy and doctrines that are not true and that's why it says here that they were one of the things two of the things and I'm just going to end it here for today two of the things that that they were teaching there was more but two of the things was forbidding to marry it says in verse three and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth do you believe and know the truth well then you can't be deceived you're not going to be deceived. If you really know the truth and you've you got yourself in a good place where the truth is, is, is coming to you, then when somebody says to you that if you really want to love God, don't get married. If you really want to serve God, don't get married. 
And this becomes a command. This becomes a thing that, that, well, if you marry, then you can't fully serve God. I've heard people say that. If you marry, you really can't full serve God. If you stay single, you can serve God and stay focused on God. There's churches that preach that. But God created marriage. He created men and women to come together, to be fruitful, to multiply. God blessed marriage. How many of you know marriage is blessed? It's not good for a man to be alone. Thank God, right, Michael? It's not good for a man to be alone. Now, if you are single, God can bless you. God can use you, right, James? God can work in your life, and you can be a real blessing to the kingdom of God. But when I make it a commandment, when I make it a doctrine that you must remain single, James, you are forbidden to marry. Otherwise, you're in violation of the God's law, and God will not love you if you're single and you decide to get married. That means you love a woman more than you love him. Baloney. That's a lie. That's a deception. That's a falsehood. The thing is, James, if you remain single, God loves you and will bless you and will do, make work wonderfully in your life. If you decide to marry, James, God will bless your marriage. And those that are married, God will bless you, has blessed you, will continue to bless you. And so people, you say, you know, well, that's, well, that's one of the things, forbidding people to marry, saying, that, oh, it sounds good. Oh, if you really want to love God, if you really want to serve God, you'll remain single. So you can give your all to God. That's not true. That's a lie. You can serve God with all your heart, whether you're single or whether you're married. But what happens is they make it sound good. They make it sound logical. They make it sound spiritual. They make it sound, oh, you are so great if you remain, if you don't marry, because that's not good. And don't eat this food. Don't eat that food. But God, in Genesis chapters 1 and chapter 9, he said, I've given you every seed-bearing thing. I've given you all, any, any flesh thing to eat. And what did he say to Peter? He showed Peter the big sheet. And he said, everything, Peter, that I've created, everything is good. Kill and eat, Peter. Because Peter was getting to the point where, they, they, where he was saying, oh, we, we can't eat this and we can't eat that. We, we better stay away from pork and we better stay away from this and we better stay away from that. And God says, baloney. That's a lie. Stop believing that, he told Peter. Peter, stop believing that because you can get deceived. You can get caught up into man-made things, things that I never commanded. And Peter, here, he showed Peter a sheep. What a, what a God that he, he cares enough about us staying in the truth and not getting caught up into the lie that God revealed to Peter, Peter, everything I made is good when it is gone with thanksgiving. Kill and eat, Peter. And so he declared all these teachings to be false, not right. Now, there may be a time when God says, don't eat this and don't, because he was trying to get them to obey, trying to get them to say, yes, Lord, if you say it, I'll obey it. But overall, God is saying now, there was a time and season for certain things, but before everything was, everything was there, now everything is good with Christ. And so God is trying to say, as he says here, we're going to end with this, for those it says, uh, 
they're trying to teach. Look what it says. Read it. It says, trying to teach to abstain from foods. To abstain from foods, meaning don't eat, don't touch. Abstain from foods which God created, which God created, which God created to be received. To be received. I'll take that. To be received. What do you got, a hot dog? I'll take that. A meatball? I'll take that. Whatever God created to be received with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Thank you, Lord, for the provision of this food. When food is put before you, now you might not want to eat something because you feel that it's more healthier for you. That's okay. But if you make it a ritual that you can't eat this because God says you can't eat it, that's a lie. That's not true. You have a choice of what to eat. It doesn't mean that because you don't want to eat it, if you eat it, it's a sin. No, I don't like that. I love spinach. Some people hate spinach. I love certain things other people can't eat. Does that mean I'm right and they're wrong? No. It means I like this and they don't. They like that and I don't. And so everybody eats things that, that they like. And, and because you don't eat it doesn't mean that you're sinning. But if you tell someone, if you eat that, because I don't like it, if you eat that, you're sinning. It's not good for you. And so we make laws that, well, if you eat an egg, it's, it's too much this and too much that. One time eggs were out, now they're saying eggs are in. And so when people tell you not to eat anything, and if you eat it, you're sinning, you're, you're against your body, you're sinning against the Lord, then that's, that's legalism, that's a lie. Whether you want to eat this or you want to eat that, when it's on the table, you say, Lord, thank you, I bless you for the provision of this food. I thank you for it. And it says all things, when it's given, when you give thanks to God for what you have, it is blessed. It's blessed already. You're blessed already because God provided for you. The provision of the food on your table is a, a, is a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the provision of this food. That's why at every meal we give thanks to the Lord. It's already blessed by God. But we just need to thank God for its provision. We don't need to say, Lord, bless this food. I mean, it's good to say that. But, <clears throat> but what we really need to say is, Lord, thank you for the provision of this food that is on my table. Thank you for it. That's what God wants to hear. God's already blessed it by putting it on your table, by giving it to you. And when we say, thank you, Lord, for this provision, eat it. Enjoy it. Make merry with your family, with your friends. Eat. Have a good time. Right? Don't worry about, oh, and don't let anyone condemn you. That's pork. You better not eat pork. That's this. You better not eat that. If you think it's wrong to eat it, don't eat it. I know the truth. I know the truth. And I'm not going to do it. I'm going to eat it because I know the truth. And so it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And so God wants us to say, if you know the truth, cook up a good meal, enjoy it, eat it, and give thanks to God before you do. When you're preparing the meal, thank you, Lord, for these provisions. When you're eating the meal, before you eat it, thank you, Lord, for this bounty.
Thank you for this provision. See, you know the truth. The truth makes you free, doesn't it? See, the Bible declares, the Spirit says in the latter times, we'll continue this next Sunday. The Bible says in the latter times, there will be many who depart from the faith, giving heed, listening to and agreeing with seducing and lying spirits that come into the church that try to teach things that God never intended for you to believe or to, to say amen to. How do we discern the difference? We have the Holy Spirit that will guide us into all truth. We have the words of Jesus. We have the words of Father God from Genesis to Revelation. If we read the word, agree with the word, say amen to God's word, amen to the words of Christ, and Holy Spirit guide me into all truth. God guides you. Isn't that wonderful? God loves you so much that he gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And it says what he speaks to us, he speaks what the Father shows him, what the Father gives him. All the words of Christ are the words that Father has given to Jesus. And so, Father, we agree with your word. I agree with your word. I say amen to your word, Father. And everything that I hear, I'll measure up with your word. And if it doesn't measure up, I'll flush it away. I don't want it. I don't want to dwell on it. I don't want to get it in here. I don't want to agree with it. I want to agree with what thus saith the Lord through the word of God. And when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And that's a reason to rejoice. I'm telling you, we have a reason to rejoice. We have a reason to glorify God because God has set us free. Are you free in here today? I mean, can you honestly say you're free, that you know the truth? And that the truth keeps you from all things that are false and lies and hypocrisy. And so some will start to agree with things that are false. But as for us, we will glorify the Lord. Amen. And we glorify God by saying, how do we glorify God? By saying, Lord, I agree with your word. I agree with you. I want to close with a song, glorify the Lord. Because glorifying God is saying, Lord, I agree with you. I agree with you, Jesus. I agree with you, Holy Spirit. And that's how we glorify God, by saying yes and amen to his word. So let's close with this song. So if you can, will you stand, please?